Welcome, everyone, to our latest NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by the new head coach of the Oklahoma women's basketball team, Jenny Barancha, and Lauren McHenry, who was the lead creator, facilitator, and evaluator of Thriving Through Being, which was an intra- and intrapersonal skills development program delivered exclusively to the NCAA women's basketball coaches and support staff in the fall of 2020, that is pre-pandemic. Uh, hopefully I got all that right. Hopefully I got Bronchuk. No, Bronchuk. Bronchuk. Yeah, you got it. People are going to have to learn that name because <laughs> Oklahoma, she's going to win. Um, all right, so let's first deal with the overall study. Lauren, what did you find out in addressing this issue? We had um, 53 program evaluation participants, coaches, coaching staff and support staff um, who went through this six module program across seven weeks. And we found that our learning objectives were met and coaches who really prioritized engagement and stayed throughout. Um, they completed a pre-program survey, post-program survey and two month uh, post-program follow-up survey. We found that they uh, increased their scores in self-regard that maintained at the follow-up. Um, they increased in how they responded in terms of how they felt about their athletes in terms of their unconditional regard, empathy, and authenticity towards their athletes. Um, and that maintained through the follow-up. And they also um, had higher levels of thriving at work during their program participation um, that dropped a little bit afterwards. So Jenny, for the last three decades, one thing that I've been hammering, regardless of where I've worked in covering college athletics, especially basketball, is there's a line. Uh, to me, you can be demanding. You cannot be demeaning. And that line can be fine. And generationally, there can be differences. Um, through this research, what have you found about this era of players, last whatever it is, whatever population you're talking about is it five, 10 years, or even the last couple of years about the response to that, about being demanding versus demeaning. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of loaded in terms of what we do in sport, right? Cause sport is so it's disciplined, it's hard work. It's, you know, it's all of these things. And so it's the sport itself is high demanding. Um, and then obviously as coaches, we've got to be able to get their potential. Right. But I think through this study, um, it's still about people and it doesn't matter what profession you're in. It doesn't matter if you're coaching. It doesn't matter if you're in the business world. It doesn't matter if you're in the medical field. It's still about people. And so in terms of how we treat people, it doesn't always mean, right, that everything is always, oh, positive all the time. Positive regard doesn't always mean you're happy. It's truthful, but it's an unconditional piece of we're still people to people. It's still human to human. And especially in today's climate, we have so many different topics that we're, that we're going through between COVID, social justice, you name it, still trying to win basketball games, right? And still trying to perform and go to school in a different climate. And so for us, it's essential that, you know, and, and when Lauren starts to talk about just the overall self-regard, we have to understand that it comes from us as leaders. So the more that we come into that space and are unconditional, the more that you actually can demand from your players and from your team and from your staff as well. 
So Lauren, what, what prompted you to look specifically at that coach player relationship? Yeah, so I'm really passionate about helping people to thrive in sport contexts and sports psychology, which is really my profession. Thriving is defined as the joint experience of well-being and success. Um, so I think initially from my own experiences as an athlete, I had some significant adversity that really could have taken me in a downward spiral mentally and emotionally. Um, and I think I was really fortunate to have some coaches who stuck with me and kept believing in me. And I really do credit their support for my being able to overcome those adversities and gain resilience from them and ultimately get the most out of my sport experience um, as opposed to kind of crumbling and walking away from the sport. So I'd say my own experiences as an athlete, from that, I knew how impactful coaches had been in my life. Um, and then in my early graduate training for sports psych, I realized uh, that my work with athletes on how their thoughts and emotions impact performance was really limited to how their coaches were influencing them on a daily basis. Um, and so if I'm just helping an athlete to kind of deal with uh, a culture that's not really productive for them, then I'm just putting a Band-Aid on that situation. Um, and so with really wanting to promote thriving, putting more Band-Aids on it isn't going to help. And that's really what brought me to studying coach-athlete relationships um, to better understand it. And I started from a real position of, of wanting to advocate for athletes by helping coaches understand their impact. And I think that's evolved where I've had to kind of step outside actually of the athlete perspective box and into the coach perspective box as I've moved into developing and facilitating coach education and recognizing that most coaches are super well-intentioned. And, um, and so it's really about getting getting the coach and the athlete uh, together on the same page and communicating in a way that coaches can actually get their intentions across in terms of helping athletes reach their potential. So Jenny, what's crazy to me is so often coaches will adapt to their personnel. Uh, suddenly you could be guard heavy or you could be, you know, you're going to run everything through your post depending upon your personnel. Yet they don't adapt as much to the individual's as it relates to the moment in time that we're in. And, you know, that has to change and has changed. I'm not saying it hasn't, but it has to continue to evolve. As you mentioned, COVID, social justice, now throw in NIL, the importance of recognizing mental health issues and getting a mental health day off, just like you would take maybe a day off because you sprain your knee, maybe you need a day off, you may, maybe you need a mental health break. That adapting to that part of the job, sometimes coaches tend to be much more rigid than, oh, you know what, now I'm going to play zone versus man to man. How have you seen it from a coaching perspective, the way, you know, coaches need to adapt in the personality aspect versus actually just on the court? I think exactly what you're talking about in terms of seeing the whole picture and it's, and it's really turning to a holistic approach approach and understanding all aspects of life. I mean, it's your, it's your academics, it's your sport, it's your community. Right. Um, and I think part of that, and I think what, what Lauren's program really did for a lot of us coaches is also put our, 
put us in positions that we listen from our staff, we listen to our staff and to put us in a position that you can hear and you have to give valuable feedback, but also from our players. And so, you know, our, our, our youth right now, especially, I mean, they're being taught, I mean, I have young kids myself, but they're being taught to speak up and to ask questions. And so the players that we have now want to know why they want to be able to speak up. They want to be able to, you know, talk about what's important to them. And so we have to be able to create a space that we can listen and be able to see that because it's mental health is for everybody. It's not, it's not segmented. It's for all of us. And so as coaches, we have to be able to adjust and adapt ourselves um, as time goes on, but we also have to listen. There's still, there's still, like we said before, there's still the discipline. There's still what you want to be able to get out of what you need to get out of every single day. Uh, but you have to be adaptable and you have to be flexible. So Lauren, we've seen across the country and it's on the men's side and the women's side. It's not just to one side, but there certainly have been, you know, uh, issues within certain programs across the country uh, some ongoing uh, where there's been mass exodus because of that relationship between the head coach and the players uh, or lack thereof. Uh, and so that has been a real sticking point. And sometimes the coach may lose his or her job because of it. Um, and the players aren't coming back and they may have that detachment to the sport. How do you combat that, especially in a sport where we need more former women's basketball players to get into coaching? So there are more female head coaches, assistant coaches in the sport. Yeah, it really starts with creating a culture where education and professional development is a fundamental part of coaching. Uh, and that's head coaches, that's assistant coaches, that's support staff. Um, and one of the focuses of Thriving Through Being early on in, in starting in the second module is self-awareness. And so it's really through that professional development and education that coaches and support staff um, have to be really open to growing in self-awareness and becoming aware of how you actually are coming across, right? How intentions might not always equal impact. Um, and so that comes from, as Jenny mentioned, seeking feedback from staff, um, especially, and, and Jenny might be able to speak to being in the position of the head coach, seeking feedback from your associate head and assistant coaches in terms of how they see you coming across to your players and seeking feedback from your, your players on a regular basis um, in terms of how, they, how it, it feels to be coached by you. Jenny? Yeah, well, I think you have to create that environment and you're right. I know, I know for me personally, there's times where, you know, I have a very strong personality. And so when I'm asking a question, right, I don't want yes people around me, but sometimes you can, you, you motivate, that's our job, right? Our job is to lead. And so sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. And so you really have to be intentional about how you do it and the expectation of, of how that happens on a daily basis. But you know, I think I've definitely learned and I'm not perfect and we're still learning, but um, to ask every day, you know, what is their feedback? What is something that, because most of the time when we start to ask that feedback, you, you start to hear things that are between the lines, you know, your freshmen don't tell you what your seniors are willing to tell you. And, you know, and that's going to take some time. And so you have to spend the time, but you also have to create that environment for that to happen. 
So, Lauren, you mentioned, I think, one of the modules. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there are six. Um, uh, I don't know if you can just sort of briefly touch on the six and the kind of feedback you've gotten from them. Yeah. So I'll actually start off by just defining what the program is all about, which is um, it, it comes from a theory called person-centered theory. And just a little bit of background on that. That was developed by a man named Carl Rogers in 1959. And um, it, it's expanded to be a theory for any growth promoting relationship, which is any relationship in which the growth and development of the person is the goal. So previously it's been, um, it's really actually a fundamental theory in, in counseling and psychology, um, but it's also been applied to teacher-student relationships, parent-child relationships, and with, with my work, we've expanded that to coach-athlete relationships. And so this theory suggests that there, there's three things that are necessary to cultivate change um, from a, a coach to an athlete, and that is empathy, authenticity, and unconditional positive regard, or UPR. And so I want to emphasize this, the two outer words of unconditional and regard, because a lot of coaches will hear that term and they kind of stop with unconditional positive. And they're like, that's not possible. <laughs> and I agree, right? You can't, it's not about being positive 100% of the time. That would, there would actually be a level of disregard uh, to an athlete who's not feeling well or not feeling positively if you're just trying to be positive all the time. And so the program is, is grounded on um, educating coaches around what UPR really is and how to apply person-centered theory as a framework for how they approach their relationships with players. Um, focusing specifically on, on unconditional regard because it's thought to be and, and been found in research to be an agent of change, right? When an athlete can experience unconditional regard from a coach, it's gonna put them in the best position possible to deal with their own reality and move forward from that in a positive way or a productive way. Um, and so based on my research, we define UPR as the joint communication of acceptance, respect, engagement, belief, and challenge in times of failure as much as in times of success. And so we can break that down to where it starts with that acceptance and respect of the athlete as a person and where they are in the moment, as you're talking about, really dealing, dealing with their reality, acknowledging their experience, dealing with what is and not worrying about what should be or what could have been. From there, it's communicating that you're brave enough to engage with the athlete through that experience with a sense of, of that really consistent unconditional belief in their potential and challenge for them to reach it or keep moving towards it. And so the program starts out with an introductory workshop um, that is kind of the fundamentals of that and gets coaches and staff thinking about their own experiences of unconditional regard or not from people in their lives. And then in the six modules, uh, module one really talks about uh, kind of dives deeper into the theory talking about a concept called self-actualization, which is the belief that every person is, and it's, it's the optimistic belief, right? That every person is doing the best that they can with what they have in the moment. Um, and so again, that's dealing with the athlete's reality as a person, um, rather than getting frustrated about what should be or what could have been. Um, and so, and 
there's a great uh, quote by Sue Enquist, former head coach of UCLA, UCLA softball on a podcast she did with Michael Gervais and Finding Mastery. And she talks about being loyal to athletes' potential. And that's really what, um, what that first module is all about. Module two goes into the self-awareness of what we would call the opposites of UPR. So when you're not communicating regard, uh, acceptance, respect, engagement, belief, and challenge uh, unconditionally, then you're gonna be communicating one of three things. The most common would be conditional regard, which is I'll accept, respect, engage with, believe in, and challenge you if or when, you do X, Y, and Z. And it's really easy, we, we all do that. It's really easy to fall into that, especially in the sport world and the high performance world um, where, I mean, if, you, if we really think about it, giving the most time and attention and energy to the starting players on a team is gonna communicate that conditional regard to the entire team that you're giving the most time and attention and value based on performance capability, right? And so in that module one, we actually had coaches and staff to kind of pick, pick out and identify value in each player, communicate to, that to them starting from the bottom of their depth chart and working up from there. Um, that module two is all about self-awareness of those opposites. So when you're communicating conditional regard, what your triggers are for that. Um, when you're not communicating positive regard, it might come out as negative regard. That would be belittling, putting down, shaming, um, or it might come out as disregard, which I think happens most often unintentionally where you simply turn the other way, give your attention to everyone else. Um, or maybe something is really hard for for you to deal with as a coach. And so you just don't acknowledge it, right? But to the player that's communicating disregard. So either negative regard or disregard and becoming aware of, of when you might communicate those things, what your triggers are, seeking feedback on that from your staff and from your players. Module three is, okay, once you're aware of this, where do we go from here? Um, and so that's where we talk about really shifting from that negative regard or disregard back into unconditional regard. And we kind of label um, in that module three ways to, three kind of movements in interaction with a player. So you could move against them, that would be negative regard. You can move away from them, disregard. You can move toward them, which I think a lot of us can kind of, um, we think that that might be the answer, right? To move toward, and that would be really over accommodating or giving in to, uh, to an athlete, not holding them to the same standards as everyone else. But the alternative to all three of those things is to move with. And that's what, what we uh, present as really being most like UPR, which is seeing and accepting and showing empathy to what the athlete is experiencing. And at the same time, holding them to those same standards and showing belief in their potential to rise to those standards. So that's in module three, modules four and five, we talk about some specific sport issues. So four is all about the connection between communicating regard and developing self-discipline in athletes. Um, and, and really the whole idea that Unconditional positive regard does not mean being positive all the time. It means really believing in 
each individual's potential and challenging them to rise to that. And then finally, module six brings it back to, to the self um, and talking about coaches' self-regard, as I mentioned, uh, participants in this pilot did, did show an increase in their own self-regard, how they relate to themselves uh, from pre to post program that was maintained at the follow-up. And that's the whole idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can put it on, on the children on the plane. Um, and so really taking some time for coaches to recognize what they need to be in a good space with themselves, because um, that's going to transfer in terms of how they're relating to everyone else. All right. So Jenny, how have you applied any of these modules to your coaching? Well, I think you kind of take a combination of all of it, right? So it, what it, what it kind of does is it makes you look at, okay, how do you get better? How do you really get better? And it does start with really understanding who you are. And I think so many times we get so lost and we get so tunnel vision in what we're doing, especially during the year, you know, and, you know, especially like as a mom, like I can get, you know, like I get real ugly when we're trying to get out of the house in the morning, you know what I mean? Cause we can never find shoes or anything like that. And so um, it's amazing when you start to notice those things about yourself, right? So when you do start to shy away, right, there's a time and place where it's like, you know, no, no player tries to miss a shot on purpose. Sometimes we start to turn it to like, make it a personal thing, or sometimes we just don't want to deal with something. And so we turn. And so I think the biggest thing in this program, in terms of the biggest takeaways, we're just really understanding what I do on a daily basis and how I'm responding and how I need to check myself in those responses. And so, you know, I got a long way to go and we all do, and we all have this desire to continue to get better. However, if we can check ourselves in those moments um, and we can actually listen to the feedback, uh, you don't always have to agree with it. And we still have to have high standards um, but there is a way to do it and it's not going to be a standard way. And that's what I really liked about, about this program is we also got to talk to other coaches. And so we had conversation about these hard topics and, you know, this year is a very hard time for, you know, you talk about trying to stay, um, you, you know, keep our student athletes with positive regard and, and it's not an easy time when you're talking about, okay, some players you want to keep an extra year, some players you can't, you have a lot of roster management. That's very challenging. You've got the transfer portal. You've got messages you're sending to high school kids right now in terms of when you're offering and those kinds of things. So it's a, it's a hard time to really be able to manage all of that. And so one, we have to do a better job of understanding ourselves. And I think that was my biggest takeaway, but also we do have a community of people that even though we're competitive, we do want the best for each other and the best for this sport. Uh, we've got to be able to utilize that. And I think Lauren put us in positions to be able to see both of those things. All right. Lastly, here rather quickly, if you can, please, uh, Lauren first, then Jenny, just end it for me. Um, how can this be applied universally? You mentioned as a mother, but how, what's the best way to apply this universally, not just in college athletics? We'll start with you, Lauren. Yeah, well, I think as Jenny mentioned, it comes down to people and coaching, just like any, any position, really, it's relationships are at the center of it. And so person-centered theory just provides a, a really, I think, a really valuable and simple framework for understanding how to communicate with people in a productive way. Um, and I think really informative for leaders of any kind, um, and that could in, in the world of college sports, right? That's the coaches for the team, but it 
it could start at the top with administration in terms of um, that acceptance, respect, engagement, belief, and challenge. It's a way of being. And oftentimes in, term, in leadership training and coach education, there's a lot of talk about doing and behaviors and what we do. Um, and what this really offers, uh, which I think is, I, I know I'm biased, but I think it's kind of a breath of fresh air uh, is, is a way of being um, and kind of a fundamental philosophy from which to, uh, to live that and the behaviors come from that. Jenny, yeah. can you go on it for me? Yeah, the only thing that I would add, because she said it much more eloquently than I could ever say, but the, the only thing that I would even be able to add to that is, is honestly, is, is to really understand that the intention of people, especially people that we work for, um, I think from that standpoint is, is always good. And, and sometimes we create it in a different way. And then when, when we do have those instances, we do need to be able to have conversation um, and not create things that don't exist. And I think that was something that she did a really nice job of being able to teach all of us. So that can go in any profession. Well, I appreciate all the good work that you're both doing. Uh, obviously great success uh, at Oklahoma in your new gig. Uh, for Lauren and Jenny, um, certainly this will be a topic that will be discussed even more going forward, not just in the women's basketball community, but I think all in, in college athletics. So that will wrap up this edition of our NCAA Social Series. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all of them are archived. Thanks again for watching, everyone.